Oh, hello. Welcome for coming, number 247. Thanks, number 138. So, uh, I I think you uh, already know the situation, but let me lay it out for everybody who happens to be in the room. Yes, thank you, Rob. It turns out that uh, our man on the street, uh, Gerald, says that in his town, the Jolly Ollie Man, local ice cream purveyor, has been jacking up the prices to take advantage of the heat wave. Mm. As you can know, this is putting a quite a dent in the allowance of everybody uh, in, in, the, in PS 118. Sounds like a kid-tastrophe. We're going to have to start Operation Ice Cream. Intensely cold edibles cause resource elimination annoyingly. Man. That's good. Fuzzy Slippers is going to like that man at the end. All right, well, now that we've got a good code name, it's time to figure out who's going to tackle this problem. Well, shouldn't it be the coolest of us? What? It's very unprofessional. Number 338, what are you what are you doing? No, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, we we should What's have a little with fun you? with this. This fun? This isn't yeah. about fun. Well, I mean, we're kids, right? There are kids' lives at stake. Or or at least their enjoyment of their summer afternoon. This is a, a time at which they don't have any care in the world. They're out of school. I'm ashamed to even be seen with you. So juvenile. God. Uh, get out of here. I, I don't I don't even want to see you here anymore. Sounds like I better banana split. <sighs> Terrible. They let anybody in these days. Awful. Anyway, let's start reading over our protocol. You know, I didn't want to say anything, but... I heard that he might even be 14 years old. No. And, and I don't want to say nothing, but apparently he got a perfect grade on his homework last week. Like, what, what, what kid behavior is that? Glad we got him out of the organization early. Now let's go. That was okay. <laughs> pass. pass. <laughs> yep. I'll grade this pass fail. <laughs> D plus. <laughs> considering, considering our issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The kids next door would be proud of us for doing such a slipshod job. <laughs> such a, a an okay, <laughs> yeah. acceptable job yep. for longer than it needed to run. It's not a true mission uh, unless you have about five or six hiccups that didn't need to be there, were it not for all the kids not really paying too much attention. <laughs> oh my god, it's like herding cats. So, uh, yeah, uh, you apparently just watched this show, like steamrolled through three of them, because <laughs> you thought that we were doing Invader Zim this week. Can you blame me for wanting that? <laughs> I, I'm not surprised that your mind rewrote it such that that was the case, but uh, do you think you got enough? Of, uh, uh, of the show. A mind, re- mind rewriting plot can work in either of these shows. <laughs> I guess that's true. Very different tone. But no, I, I have become a child once more, and I'm ready to talk about the code name of... Wait, how does that work? I am become child? No, like, <laughs> do you do people talk about the show as codename Kid Next Door, or do they say KND? Or just no one says ne- KND. Like, what do you, how do you refer to this show? I think, also, I think who are we? You just got to say the whole thing, I think. Codename Kids Next Door. Yeah. With a colon. Everything anyway. it, everything is far superior if a colon is included. <laughs> superior to the coloning. <laughs> uh, who are we? <laughs> uh, my name is Ben. And my name is Zane. 
and we are the Carton Casters. This is your beloved Carton Cast back for another week to talk about old-ish cartoons uh, to see what we think of them as adults, filthy, filthy, wretched adults who don't have this ty- <laughs> just tyrannical don't overlords. Like, man. <laughs> How uh, dare we control all these terrible little kids? And and this is Operation Carton Cast. Considering another retro tune on non-critical aspects with sarcastic talking. Yeah, that seems like it must have been fun to come up with. Uh, <laughs> again, had to steamroll it. But uh, yeah, that, that that's one of those um, those things about kids' TV programming where they make you seem like adults are awful. But anyone who spent time with kids knows that they're really the worst. Yeah, I don't even know how I I don't know how I felt about it. Like when I was much younger, when I was like ten or something, I feel like I didn't really like kids then. I I think I've always had an unhealthy respect for authority. I I don't know if it's unhealthy. I mean, maybe if it's blind respect. And also some people, some, some adults are just, like, just as juvenile as kids, but they don't realize it. It's not blind, but I do have, like, sunglasses on. Oh, okay. And I shaved my head. <laughs> thank Shazam! You jo- thank you, I'm thank you for joining us, number one. <laughs> Num- number. Number. <laughs> God. Yeah. We're going to have to explain all the dumb in-jokes for this, but, uh... Yeah. Zane, um, yeah. we are... Dealing, we we are back in the land of large hands. Oh my god, the proportions! <laughs> so uh, today we are talking about Codename Kids Next Door. Yes, it's a cartoon that ran from two thousand two to two thousand eight on the Cartoon Network. Yeah, and this was one of those that got a that was originally part of a what a cartoon contest, which it actually won. God, um, those are great. Yeah, we, I, I, we can't say enough good things about like that kind of shotgun approach to what do kids like now. And uh, and it's weird because trying that approach with like other me- like video games, like doing beta testing, like releasing a game early when it's full of bugs, that seems almost less. I don't know. It goes over a lot better in cartoons. Yeah, I mean, it might also be a marketing thing. Like, I mean, now you're invested because you voted for it, and you're just like you can get away with not having something super polished. Oh yeah, like like a game. I mean, that's a really different thing. Like a a game has to be complete in a bunch of different ways. An episode can be complete with relatively minor work, and then you just mm-hmm. have to make more of it as time goes on. You don't like improve the product that's already there. You just like, like append additional stuff to it. Right, and and I think the first episode is pretty rough i i remember watching it a while back and it had that kenny and the chimp segment yeah i saw the kenny and the chimp segment so a little bit more background for uh this show is that it is one of tom warburton's uh brain children which is a a word that (laughs) i will children next door (laughs) and brain children next door it's a word that i'll never get tired of saying (laughs) it's so weird we've we've dealt with tom warburton's uh kind of creations in the past uh we dealt with um i believe he he was behind or at least contributed on Doug and oh. Pepperan. So yeah, we... Pepperan very much having very similar proportions. But it turned out that this show was originally something that he came up with called uh, Kenny and the Chimp, which was a pretty failed show. But it had these side characters whom were like... Just bastards? I don't know. It's, it, it's an interesting conceit. It's a bunch of kids. They're in a clubhouse and... All of the authority figures are like cousin Skeeter villains. Like they're necessarily uh-huh. malicious, 
And that turned out to be the more engaging aspect of the show. So logically, give it their own show. And that was actually, Codename Kids Next Door was actually a much larger success. Yeah. And I mean, uh, well-deserved, as as you and I chatted about uh, before we started. It's it's not actually as bad a show as we thought it might be. No, I was, I was really gearing up for a spite cast. This is the person also, another one, I didn't want to bring this up, but he was kind of also behind Sheep in the Big City, or at least uh, with Mo Willems, Mo Willems, Mo Problems. He he worked on uh, he worked on Sheep in the Big City, which uh, huh. you know that uh, guilty by association. So I was right, very right. I was very <laughs> no, nervous this, about this. This is a much more coherent approach, and um, you know there were times when I was watching it where I was getting I was getting pretty into it. You know, it held my attention. Um, I thought, you know. It, it uh, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about the plot a little I, bit. I was invested in the tension. Yeah, I was more. Well, let's talk about what the plot exactly is. Sure. So, the basic idea of Codename Kids Next Door is that kids are members of this international organization that's bent on keeping kids safe from adult tyranny. So, remember right. how in let's say Hey Arnold, it's actually a very cogent example. All the teachers were either ineffectual or, like, ruthlessly malicious. For no reason. Right. That's that's the reality that we're dealing with here. Right. Except here they have reasons, and it's like they're Bond villains. They are. A lot of them are Bond villains, which owes to the other side of this show, which is that this is very heavily borrowing from the spy genre um, or action film genre, depending on the episode. So it's it's really incorporating a lot of tropes that we haven't really seen expressed in a cartoon before. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the, the children, the kids next door, they used, they, they use advanced technology and, and military tactics like you would see in those kind of movies um, in order to stop the adults from uh, adulting all over their business. Yeah. I think a, a good way of kind of bringing it back to something that we've dealt with before is that um, recess did those heist segments Mm-hmm. It's if you had that, but it was the entire episode was just the heist. And, it's very stylized, yeah. Yeah, and not as focused, which it couldn't mm-hmm. be if it's an entire episode. But I think the novelty here is interesting, if you don't mind me going into that a little. Please, go ahead. So it's a standard gimmicky kids show, for the most part, um, but with this clubhouse and spy twist. I don't think that... Um, I think this is sort of one of those collective knowledges that kids have of being in a clubhouse and feeling like part of like this clandestine organization. Like it's a sexy idea and it's not one that kids get to play with much. Right. It's it's this, um, you know, letting your imagination kind of run wild and showing the audience what's going on in your head because, come on, there's no way real life is that cool. Well, Well, also just part of being part of something, you know, like no homers allowed, that sort of thing. Right. I, I don't think there were any homers in this show. Uh, well, they weren't allowed. But the idea behind a clubhouse show uh, has we, we've dealt with in the past um, in our in our lost episode of Ed and Nettie. They oh, yeah. they did this on on occasion where they'd have a clubhouse and they'd deal with problems which went outside the scope of kids problems. Uh, the Oblongs did this. There, there's many different examples of kids having a clubhouse and, you know, getting a lot of enjoyment out of being part of something. Right. And the clubhouse itself is an interesting um, point in this show because it's also acting as their headquarters. It's like a defensive 
uh, uh, sort of unit. So there are plenty of episodes where, oh no, there's an intruder and they have to fight it off. Um, so, so they get a lot of opportunity to jump around to different locations, and but you, but you still get this sense of this permanent base that informs a lot of uh, what the characters are about. Right, and that sort of bleeds into the other half. Like, this show is kind of two halves. There's two halves of the way this show is interesting. One of them is kids in a clubhouse dealing with larger organizational issues than kids should. The other half <laughs> is, like, spy stuff, I think. Right. Like, yeah, um, they, um, I don't like know they, how much they get to do the cool spy action stuff, but then they also have to like go through certain weird bureaucracy and yeah, there's... they have this whole chain of command, like uh, things beyond that just would be the... necessary in a real organization, but that most kid, you know, if kids playing in their backyard wouldn't wouldn't think about, they would just get right to the action. Yeah, and there's there's other um, there's other spy elements that go just beyond the the fabric, like the structure of the show. It's also in the flavor. Like the intro is like all silhouetted and looks like that Bond sh- staring down the barrel of a gun sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. You have the code names. Like this is very very heavily borrowing from the spy genre, which got me kind of thinking. Ooh. There seems to be a lot of different stuff for kids that have to do with spies. I speak speak of course about spy kids, and totally spies. Uh, there was a couple other <laughs> examples that I was just thinking off the top of my head. Do you remember Agent Cody Banks? Oh yeah, and uh, the Hey Arnold movie. I also believe that they had a spy thing going on. Well, in in a lot of those cases, it's all you know, kids doing the weird like like jobs against authority that the adults can't or they're too like jaded to do. Right, and. In- yeah, and I don't know if, if this show is precisely making a statement that, you know, they're they're too old, they're in, they've been in the game too long, we need the new blood to clear out, to, to clear well, the cobwebs off of this society. It's more just like, if we're going to be in a clubhouse and rebelling against adults, we might as well be spies at the same time. Right, it, it's it's a lighter touch because, you know, in those, in those other works, you see a lot of, you know, the children are the ones with the energy... Or, you know, they're just, the you know, for whatever reason, I don't remember why they had to be children for Spy Kids, but I assume it had something to do with, like, oh, they're, they're small, they can get through the vents. <laughs> it's um, always about vents. Why do, <laughs> like, I don't, like, speaking as somebody who, like, teaches engineers pretty frequently, there's no reason that vents need to be just child size and not adult size. Like, you can partition them up differently. <laughs> also, there's no reason for them to be child sized. In right. fact, probably a lot of reasons why they shouldn't be. <laughs> but in those in those uh, uh, works, it's generally kind of like adults training the kids or or giving the kids this technology, which is kind of weird, making them like child soldiers. But in this show, it's much more liberating, right? They're they're coming up with their own tech. Yeah, they're, they're putting their own two by four technology. Right. I don't know if you saw that. That's what they call their tech. It's like, uh, it reminded me of uh, the erector set construction in the Sandlot. <laughs> you know, they're they're making what they need based on what they have. You know, if they need like an explosive device, they'll shake up a soda. It's all very, like you said, it has a very light touch. And that allows them to go through a number of like ref- pop culture referential humor, borrow from other genres. It's... Um, well, I don't want to give the wrong idea about their level of tech. They have impressive weaponry. Like, they have, like, five-person Megazord squad copter kind they of do. stuff. They do. And uh, it would, it's like a little Teen Titans. they like, where do they get the money for that? But <laughs> and, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but I just uh, I just wanted to touch on it since we were already talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Um, I think 
it'd probably be good to start going into the characters. Right. Uh, one through five. Done. Yep. <laughs> Moving uh, on. <laughs> well, let's just talk about the entire cast of the kids next door. Yes. So uh, this so... cell group is five kids. Presumably they all have like character traits that differentiate them and make them a like I don't know. Well they each team. functionally functionally they each take on the hero role, you know, so that the the writers can make a variety of plots and pick which one like which character they want to be the one in charge, kinda like they did in Teen Titans, you know, who's the strongest character this week. Yeah, um, it's whoever we're looking at, yeah. But they have their own fairly well fleshed out characters. You know, you see the depth build over time, but you can understand them. That's what I like about the show is that um, the episodes are different enough that you can watch them and kind of not get tired of the same old thing because it's not the same old thing. But it's simple enough that you can just jump right in. I found it very accessible. It is very accessible. I think you're maybe overselling the depth of characterization, though. Like, these characters are not that complex because they are just kids at the end of the day. It is a kid's show, but comparatively. Yeah, they have very, very obvious and untextured feelings, like, emotions to everything that they're doing. Um, I, I mean, they have archetypes, but I think there's wiggle room within those. There is probably more than i wanted there to be i almost kind of wanted them all to be like child soldier spies <laughs> there's this one uh there's this one show there's this one anime i think i've talked about it before called full metal panic uh-huh. and the main character is basically a child soldier who is forced to protect this like chosen one in a high school setting so that he's not like you know letting on the enemy that this person is special so he has to kind of be like this covert bodyguard, but all he knows is like warfare <laughs> and trying to adapt into a regular society while having your background be entirely professional. That's a really fun contrast. Mm-hmm. They, they do it a little less well here with certain characters. I think that uh, number one, Nigel Uno, I think is his name. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a real name. Uh, for each one but yeah you don't have to give him for each one i think nigel does that really well and i even like number number four yeah those two i think definitely have the most characterization they they put the most effort on them and i think part of it's just because their accents are so charming oh i do love me a weirdly non-american accent in my american (laughs) in my american uh (laughs) in my american tv show yeah getting king ddd in here again uh but yeah so number one uh who is you mispronounced that no, what did I say? You said number one. Number one. There you go. Who is voiced by Ben Diskin, who was uh, Eugene in Hey Arnold. And he also voices number two. So they're both they're both played by the same voice actor, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize. That's, I mean, I would not have considered that. Well, let's go through all the numbers because there's actually a lot of good voice talent in these five characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is Lauren Tom, who is Amy from Futurama and Connie from King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of other stuff. Just addendum to all of these and a bunch of other stuff. Like, the Wikipedia page goes on and on. Yeah, I'm not telling you about whose fourth cousin they played, but no. they did. <laughs> when did they uh, cameo on Seinfeld? Sometime. But, um, number four is... N- number. There you go. God, why do they do that? Just find replace all numbers with numbers in your... I, I, just, I just wrote the hashtag. Like Oh, awesome. I uh, wrote it number out. Number four is... D. Bradley Baker, who's done all, all kinds of voice work, actually. Yeah, did you see the amazing piece of trivia behind his voice, behind him as an actor? 
Uh, no. Dude, he was he was the announcer from Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, man. And also the voice of Olmec. The Silver Monkey. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Aren't they bringing that back? I remember seeing something. I, I didn't see anything from it for quite a while. I feel like I saw them in like some college union. Like when I went to undergrad, uh, there was like this college union um, triathlon or something like that. And they had a bunch of shirts in that were reminiscent of the style of Legends of the Hidden Temple. But that's sort <laughs> of the last I've ever heard of it. <laughs> uh, no, I I would love to go through As I get older, the more I want to go through obstacle courses <laughs> That's a very funny thing to say <laughs> I'm I, uh, sorry <laughs> No, it's fine I, I would love to like use the obstacle courses that were on these shows Because you... As I'm considering moving to certain places, my uh, my mindset is very much on like the logistics of navigating a place. So seeing a place like Legends of the Hidden Temple with like an entirely like breakaway wall, so you can like jump out yeah. of it and like have to climb up ropes from one room to the next, really appeals to me. It's the kind of thing that would make me want to do parkour, except I just have no capacity for that. It's also the sort of thing that you would want to do if you were like in a clubhouse. Yeah. Like, number one cool thing about any realistic clubhouse, fireman's pole. Mm -hmm. It's a way to get from one room to another without stairs. <laughs> That's so cool, Zane. If only they had a way to go up. They do. You just flip upside down. Oh, yeah, flip the gravity button. You gotta, no, you gotta do it real fast before gravity figures out what you're doing. <laughs> hey, what the? <laughs> oh, this kid again. Who did that? I said pull, I not would, push. I, I love the idea of gravity as like this guy who has to catch up with you. <laughs> I'm getting an image of that scene in Independence Day where Will Smith like uh, flips the controls around. Ah, somebody did this backwards, <laughs> like, forward, <laughs> reverse. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Uh, so, um, uh, so number five is Cree Summer, who we saw as Penny in Inspector Gadget. Yeah, she's also Elmira from Tiny Toon Adventures mm -hmm. and Susie Carmichael from Rugrats. Yeah. I also assume a number of other black children in TV shows because it's yeah, one of those voices. Yeah, a bit of typecasting. A little bit. Uh, but there's actually, a, yeah, there's a lot of voice talent in the one-offs and the enemies as, and the recurring enemies as well. That's one of the things that I liked is that there are these recurring enemies. It's part of what makes it accessible, you know. I, I saw this, I, when, when researching the show, I saw that it was uh, praised for its... Um, continuity for its continuity that's right and i didn't I see much of that it. but i uh i always enjoy when a show isn't just you know formula fade to black status quo well you know think about it you know if you're talking to your friends about a tv show you want to have a certain amount of of common knowledge right so you know some your favorite villain is probably going to pop up multiple times right so if you're talking to somebody about kim possible and they don't know who dr draken is you can say right away, "Aha! You are an imposter." <laughs> I, gu I guess. Im I guess um, unmasking imposters is something that I hadn't considered while talking about this show, but maybe I should have. <laughs> ben, why would you pass up an opportunity? Uh, I also believe that we mean impasta. Oh yes. Oh my mistake. Uh, by the way, you might want to put a marker down for here. But is your mic continually recording? Yes. Are you sure? I am. What's your What's your time marker? Uh, like 26? Yep. Okay, cool. Yep, we're good. Just making sure. Thanks for keeping, pa t touching, touching thank, my dog. Thank, thank <laughs> you for, for your patronage. 
Thank you for touching my dog. <laughs> um, but what are we talking about? Uh, so I I'm think, pretty loopy. No, that's okay. So we should probably discuss a couple of the other characters. Like, we're talking about incentive continuity. I guess we should talk about the main antagonists, which aside from old white guy from Cousin Skeeter, is generally, um, well, one of the main antagonists, recurring the, antagonists. The delightful children the, from the, down the lane. The delightful children from down the lane, which kind of bugged me that they had an adjective and the other one didn't. It's the kids next door. So no, shouldn't, it's, shouldn't, it's the code names kid next door. Oh, it's the code name kid next door. That meant, <laughs> never mind. That's <laughs> Withdrawn. <the adjective. laughs> so no, Ben, you see, they're opposite in every way. So whereas kid next door doesn't have an adjective, the children <laughs> do have an adjective. Fucking hate the definition. The definition of opposite has always bothered me. <laughs> so inconsistent. <laughs> So they, just, they do a lot with parallel, like, mirror universe stuff in this show. Yeah, I mean, do they? I feel like it's just this. I saw a few different iterations of it. Okay. I I saw a lot of Bond villains. <laughs> but yeah, the delightful children from down the lane. This, this villain is kind of all over the place, yeah? Um, what are they? What are they exactly? Are they supposed to this be? This is a hive mind in like they're a hive mind and a traitor to the ch- child race. Yeah, they can... <laughs> all right. We, we need the we need the kid next door to fight against someone. Uh, Johnny, what do you think? Zergs? What? <laughs> like Zerg? Like the literal Zerg? Yeah. Nah, put a football helmet on one of them. <laughs> yeah. What's with that one fucker with the football helmet? <laughs> what is his deal? Precisely, was they trying to just make it look like number four? No, I think that was supposed to be number five. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, because she's got the hat pulled down in front of her eyes. Yeah. That's super. But like that, the football helmet like just proves my point. What are they supposed to be? <laughs> They're, you know, terrible. No, but like, are they supposed to be uptight children like Mama's boys? Are they supposed to be an alien hive mind? It's not clear, and honestly, I think they're the weakest villain, you know, for how often they show up. I think I agree, even though it seems like they could have been really strong villains. Like, what if they were just a bunch of preppy kids who were, like, trying to play by the adult rules? I mean, that's that's kind of what they are. Right, like, but it's in, not completely what they are. They go off the rails from that and, well, to, and go into fucking Zerg hive mind. To, to the extent that the protagonists are just rebellious kids who don't want to follow the rules, it, it they're deviating to the same extent. I don't know, like, I think there's just a little bit too much weird thrown in. I mean, they're not normal. They, they speak in that sort of overlaid voice that's very unnerving. Well, well, let me give you a counterexample. In the Oblongs, you've got your regular cast of crew, which, by the way, also have a clubhouse. Um, and then the antagonists are all the popular kids, all of whom are named Debbie. And just, I don't And just think... shout Debbie at each other. I don't know. Uh... I don't know if that would have been a perfect example. Like, maybe just make it a group of hoity-toity weirdos. I, I think having a group that's not a hive mind would require us to keep track of too many characters. And, you know, it helps to have them all in one spot. I don't think it would have been... I don't think it would have been that hard, but maybe you have a point. It, it's just... It just seems very weird and unfocused. Yeah, especially since they, like... They're always plotting something, but they don't actually do a whole lot. Like, they're not physically threatening. It, it actually seems like uh, the, the kids next door are usually the ones who are, you know, proactive. Like, yeah, they're it, it trying to get something done. And it's mm-hmm. sometimes, like, I feel like a lot of the, a couple of the episodes I saw were 
the delightful children are doing something something <laughs> obliquely nefarious like it's not really clear why it's a bad thing and then the kids next door are just like mm, they're they're doing the kid activities in the wrong way so we got to come up and we got to come in and clean it up yeah or messy it up their message is not clear no did you we uh, make all kids free to do what they want except for them because they're doing it the wrong way yeah I want to talk about that in they're, turn and they're genre. They're traitors, Ben. They're traitors to the child race. <laughs> to the blood grail. I wanted to uh, talk about that in tone and genre, but... You... Sorry, did you say the blood grail? The blood grail. I wanted to talk about that in tone and genre, but I wanted to ask first if you had any more characters to discuss. Um, You know, it feels weird not going through each of the main characters and saying, you know, who they are, but they don't really matter that much. They have, like, interpersonal conflict but not as much as i want and not in a recess sort of way yeah and because it's an ensemble cast i was constantly comparing it to recess and i'm just like nigel you're not tj <laughs> for for the sake of thoroughness we've got the leader the fat one the cute one the asshole and the competent one we, we don't have the we don't have the asshole we've got the we got the brit <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was Australian. We have a British bouncer. Uh, maybe he was Australian. It's I don't know. His name is Wallaby. A fucking mop top. I, I don't know. I don't know what precisely he is. Did you have a favorite? Uh, you know, I, I like number one a lot. I like the leaders of these sort of things. I, I don't mind him. I I think that if they could all have had that level of professionalism, that that would have been a more fun dynamic, or at least it could have gone in a, a more interesting direction. Which one was your least favorite? Oh, number three, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, just nothing there. Too much, like, peppy, overly loud enthusiasm. Like, I don't like that in real life. And Like, when, she's not engaged with the show. Not really, no. It seems like she's there, and she doesn't realize that she's a member of the team, almost. Yeah. Nah, Ben, it's all a ruse. It's all a trick. <laughs> she's a sleeper agent? <laughs> uh... Yeah, yeah, why not? She's also a child who's delightful. Yeah. Oh, hey, you don't think. <laughs> Very rarely with this show, Zane. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's the Power Rangers. Let's move into the tone. So I, I did want to talk about the fact that they seem to be impressing that there's a right way and a wrong way to engage in kid, kid activities. There are, but they're completely wrong about it. Yeah, well, okay. Yours is all about, you know going going to bed at 9 30 so you can get up in time for soccer practice oh that sounds nice i know it's like, if only i could get to bed by 9 30 crisp sheets no <laughs> but like i mean their conception of being a kid kind of cleaves to this like kids are messy kids are i don't know there's there's like this weird pride of being unreasonable in in children <laughs> Somehow, well, they want to. They want to be kids. They're tired of being confined by what other people tell them to do. So it's an expression of freedom, and I think it kind of overexerts itself. They want to be free and contrary, even if it's not necessarily the best thing. Well, the, interestingly, in this show, they're able to do that because their infrastructure allows for it. Like clearly, they're doing their job well because they have this whole organization that's built around around kids doing what they please. Uh -huh. When in actuality, they'd never get anything done. Like, those mechazords would never get any repairs. You need them on a strict schedule, Zane. 
<laughs> well, you see them working on, on ships and things, but they enjoy it. So maybe it is kind of like that Erector said. It's just this universe allows those things to work. That's not the worst either. I, it, it just... I mean, I'm not going to get on this show's case for like... I'm going to get on this show's case for a minute. I, I'm not going to get on this show's case for like... Representing children as more prolific than children are. Like that seems <laughs> sort of like punching down a little bit like this is kind of not necessary <laughs> but it is weird to have that contradiction that the kids are so focused on you know kids being these smelly gross loud manic kind of weirdos and then also they're entirely professional at the same time so i think those two parts have to do with just like the way the child's psyche works um oh the, because the, because they hate because they hate authority cra- figures but they crave atta- they crave uh <laughs> boundaries <laughs> they crave affection uh no the idea that um you know these things work because they're imagining it um you know the imagination and creativity and play can do anything and that's true in this universe the reason why they're rebelling against the discipline of of the adults and and all those people Aside the fact that, you know, hey, look, creativity got us this awesome playhouse that works in in here. Um, But just the fact that, you know, people, kids, and really anybody who doesn't like the way things are going or the way that the world is will rebel against authority. And if authority is all about, hey, sit here, do this, don't cause trouble. Well, the way to rebel is through trouble, through Hmm. chaos, through play. Do you think that the lore of this show is actually that the kids are imagining it all and like beefing it up to something that it actually isn't or do you think that like literally everything that they show you is something that's happening in universe uh i think it's happening in universe i don't i don't think kids are that creative i think so too but there are a lot of parallels that you can draw if mm-hmm. if if you're focused if you're if the idea of the show is this is the way kids see their surroundings so you know all of the adults are you know tyrannical overlords and all your fellow kids are each special unique snowflakes with you know super awesome acrobatic powers that you can you can scarcely comprehend they are almost like superheroes you know you can they they can fix their ship but if you ask them how the ship works they would have no idea it's it's like a bond power maybe maybe we crosswire the accelerator we might get more ohms or something (laughs) it's like uh it's like gear from static shock right he just knows how it works yeah yeah intrinsically uh, he, he, you know, it almost reminds me of President Business from the Lego movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cause, oh, yeah, because you just take these very simple blocks, and it, it works because it looks like it works. Right, and all the uh, all the villains are just, like, if you wanted to take it in that rocket power, like, Raymundo isn't actually cool, but this is how the kids see him. Uh-huh. Like, you can take it that way, too, and then all the villains are just, like, reasonable adults who are just telling them to go bed on time and also do their homework, and they turn out to be, like, Bond villains in the kids' minds. Right, because compared to what they were doing before... Because that's what President Business in the Lego movie kind of does. Like, he's not actually a bad guy, it's just how the kids sees his dad. Spoilers for the Lego movie. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> go watch that movie if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Everything the humor in this show? Because... Uh, it's like I, I actually thought that the humor was kind of weak in contrast to the presentation yeah I think that the presentation was really solid 
like the show doesn't do jokes particularly well like it's got a very juvenile sense of humor but the 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 situations are engaging and can be funny just because it's a it's a weird situation well, it's, not, it's not sitcom format it's short action movie right it's it's a much lighter teen titans mm, i don't know if i'd even like go that far um i would almost say that it's more kim possible mm-hmm. like i mean the plot lines are like here's a problem we're gonna fix it we're gonna we're, we're gonna do it using like you know s- rulers and glue that come out of guns guys we got to destroy all the pianos <laughs> Op- operation piano takedown I, I wish it was Come up with that. an acronym, go. Uh, P stands for piano. <laughs> okay, it could start. They do that quite a bit, actually, in the acronyms. Yeah, I guess... I, I, I like the acronyms, actually, quite a bit. I think I like that they're doing them, but it's like... It, they're not quality. No, well, they can't be. And I think even part of the presentation is that they're not quality. Like, it's something that one of the kids just made in, like, construction paper and cardboard. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I actually don't hate that, but at the same time, it really, like, rubs me the wrong way seeing acronyms being reached for when there shouldn't be ac- Something that really... This is kind of a like, weird hot They have full control over which word they use for the code name. I know. Like, uh, they should be able to find good words. There, there's this thing that uh, I only realized recently was really a hot button for me, which is that uh-huh. poetry that rhymes makes my, like... It, it hurt. It makes me so upset, and I don't understand why. What? So, so like, if I see a poem and there's like a couplet, like there's these two lines that rhyme next to each other, my first thought is it's only rhyming because you wanted it to rhyme. This isn't making it more, you know, it, this isn't making it better at conveying information <laughs> or emotion. It's just. Oh my God, Ben! It's just, you've somehow become more pretentious <laughs> than the poets. <laughs> ben. I'm just saying. No. I'm just saying. Ben, poetry, the best definition of poetry I found is um, writing where the sound matters, like the sound of the words and the way that it's spoken affects the actual like message. Now who's pretentious? No, no, no. Because here's the thing. If rhyming gets you there, good. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I guess that rhyming gets me to an emotional place in that it makes me angry. But beyond <laughs> that, like, I like it when rhymes are made just because they sound funny. I don't like it when they're made to, like, as a as as a synthetic uh, demarcation of meaning. Uh-huh. Like, whenever Shakespeare does this weird, like, couplet at the end of the thing, I'm like, okay, I get that it was the style at the time, but why is it why is it rhyming when you say that, the, that you're going to catch the king or that you're going to catch the killer of the king. Why does rhyming make that better for... Like, you could have just said it. Sticks in the head, Ben. Same reason as four score and uh, seven years, and not just, hey, 87 years ago. I guess so. Poetry, Ben. It sticks in the mind. I don't know. It. <clears throat> All right. I mean, I'll, I guess I'll let it go. But it, it the, the, the acronyms that they put up kind of rankle me in the same way. Like... That adjective, those those two don't need to be there. Just cut that out and make it a bad acronym. It's fine. <laughs> you don't you don't um, have to you don't have to nickname your code name dishwasher. It's okay. Yeah, um, and I don't know if we actually went ahead and said this, but every episode starts with an operation name, and uh, the name refers to something that happens, and the 
initialism that it forms also refers to what will happen in the episode but they also have a couple when they're like introducing new like weapons or tech yeah every so often and what's really cool about that in the presentation sort of way is that the entire world freezes as they're introducing it just like a bond film yeah exactly like a bond film like one of these days i do have to see a bond film uh yeah i've seen part of one and i I just i I think it just kind of wasn't for me but yeah it's really interesting seeing that uh seeing that one part where sometimes they freeze frame to show a new character or device with a blinking acronym and yeah i mean it's it's like a bond film but it's also very much like a uh like a well i guess spy or heist film like they do this in snatch where they'll introduce a character and then they'll like you know, shoot letters onto the screen right below the character as the character is uh-huh. like frozen, and then they go through its backstory and then resume them, then resume the movie. Yeah, it's a great way of staying in the action, but also explaining everything that needs to be. Yeah, and it like legitimizes the character. Yeah, like, like oh, well, this guy's got a bio. Yeah, there's a legend there. <laughs> there's backstory. I like. I don't want to know your name unless you've got a Wikipedia page. And like, that's the coolest part of the show is that they they are presenting it so um so faithfully to the thing that they're trying to parody so where does the show fall down then because i mean is it just the characters and and that they're not interesting enough or that the conflict isn't strong or is it that they try to stretch it out past where that sort of um aesthetic gets them uh i think it's hard to say i think the episodes tend to go on slightly too long um Mm -hmm. even though there are two in like a 23 minute chunk or whatever I think uh, I think I think the the character work is just kind of weak. I I don't know how I would have done it better, but you know, same character age, everyone in K Arnold, you know, and and there right. are very similar themes of don't trust adults, form your own societies, but the characters in Hey Arnold are so mimetic because they're complete, yes. and these ones are more or less these are a little bit more plastic, a little bit more, you know, archetypical. Well, I was, I- I was going to say, you know, it would be nice if they grew over the course of, of the run, but, you know, like you said, hey, Arnold was able to do it, and those characters didn't really grow in the same way. Although, now that I think about it, this isn't a show where people grow. It's where two sides come together to fight, and one of them wins, uh-huh. like an action movie. I think it's just that it might just be a subjective thing that I like action movies less than things in which the characters necessarily develop. Right, the characters are developing the world. Yeah. For you. Right, and, you know, maybe that's the other thing, is that I didn't care for its message. Like, I only really... Oh, God, no. I only really loved the presentation, but I didn't care about what they were trying to get done. And I don't know if, were I younger and kind of bought into the whole, yeah, we should have longer recesses, or eating your vegetables is dumb, stuff like that. I don't know if I would have found it more engaging. I feel like I wouldn't have. It's just the stakes are a little too low for an action movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's a nice, you know, ooh, tune in, watch a couple episodes of this. Um, because, you know, it, because it does have that nice presentational aspect. It's the kind of show that I could see being really good. Like, you watch an episode of this in between, like, a movie marathon. You know, just, just palate, palate cleanser. Palette cleanser, yeah, it does kind of a nice thing that uh, Megas XLR did, which is like borrow a, a genre and then just like make weird jokes out of it. So like it's paradising 
the source material very well. It's just that's all it's doing. And right. I don't know. It just it wasn't enough for me. I guess. Um, I think we're I think we're maybe getting a little bit too far down into like r- resolving this episode. So maybe we should pull back a bit. Oh no! Yeah, I just I just wanted to figure out what makes this show tick because I'm I'm really not sure. Yeah, me neither. Like I enjoyed watching it, and I'm not sure why. Well, I mean, the best part of the show is the dichotomy between how they how seriously they treat things and how serious the situation isn't. I see. Yeah, yeah. So when they when they board a huge truck carrying a bunch of pianos and destroy every single one so that they don't have to take piano lessons Those, yeah it's like you're it's like you're uh raiding a nuclear stockpile that's what they treat <laughs> it like yeah yeah the the tension the way that they approach everything so seriously and with such tension sells you on it and uh yeah the fact that it's not that serious it, it's charming in its own way it's, it's oxymoronic though because um because there's that gulf between importance and imagined importance, it's funny. But because there's that gulf, you're not invested. Right. Which you is don't weird because it's still about it happening. It's weird because it's still probably the best part of the show. Like they treat like the class president of their class as the president, and he's got like secret service and everything, and like they have to board him onto a bus to like transport him to the T- PTA meeting. And it's like. This is pretty funny, but like at the same time, you don't really care about what's happening on the bus. It's weird to have a show deliberately lower the stakes like that. It is a little bit. I'm trying to think if any anything else does that, where they just lower the stakes super hard because they're they're trying to, um, because they're trying to make the parody pop a little bit more. Hmm. <laughs> Invader Zim kind of does the opposite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they just treat really serious stuff like it's goofy. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think maybe if we keep on talking about it, maybe it'll it'll reveal itself a little bit. Maybe. So, um, let me talk about the tech that they use, because I think okay, that yeah. this is also a place where it kind of falls down. I like the kids playing at sophisticated tech thing, again, in like a sandlot sort of way, where they're using shaken up soda bottles as explosives. Ed and Eddie did it better, I think. Because I don't remember them doing it that much. They do it sometimes. I mean, certainly, like, number number three will, like, throw, um, like, party favors to, like, distract someone. or Oh, yeah, that's stuff. Or, like, number four will have, like, a ketchup gun or something. You know, sh- shit like that. See, I don't think of that stuff as often. Uh, I-, I was more looking at, okay, they have this huge treehouse, they have the huge computer system, like, uh, defense. And that's where it breaks down. Sometimes stuff. sometimes the show forgets about its beginnings. You know, the whole, like, kids can do this really awesome stuff, and they're just like, well, we're just going to use robotics now. <laughs> and I think that's where it loses me sometimes. Well, maybe that's what we're why we're having a difficult time pinning down this show, is because it's deliberately... Deliberately low stakes, deliberately amorphous, so that it can take on any story it needs to. Because you know you don't you don't run for six seasons without having some versatility. I guess, and you can't get it out of characters. I guess so, but I, I feel like it would have been a little bit more resonant with the whole kid in a, a kid in a clubhouse aesthetic. Like, what if instead of like fighter bombers or whatever the hell they they like fly around in, what if instead of that they had like a wooden craft that's like powered by like a fire extinguisher in the back. I kind of like, I kind of like having it go off the rails and get, like, 
get more intense than it could reasonably be because um, it lets them start with something that seems like uh, you know a normal show dealing with with an issue and then just goes beyond so let, let me give you an example of what I mean there sure so you know bunch of shows have had the plot line oh kid is afraid to go swimming or afraid to go in the pool this show has an episode start like that number four is you know afraid to go in the water because he can't swim he doesn't want people to know and then something something a stingray no no number one jumps in the pool goes to an alternate dimension where people are evil they fight yada 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 evil twin comes back through etc culminating with number four having to go in the pool to save his friends i actually don't hate that it it works better than just the like oh i needed to get over my fears like no i gotta i gotta kick ass for a while and then the fear will resolve itself it's sort of like adventure time if you think about it like that Mm -hmm. like that all of all of your uh your personal problems have like um externalized counterparts that you physically have to best all of your internal conflicts have extremely awesome battle sequences to deal with yeah, first. Yeah, like, I, I think maybe it's specifically when it's tech that I dislike it. Like, there was one episode where they're in a, uh, when they're in a hospital, and they're all talking with, like, really, really heavy, dripping with subtext kind of lines. Like, is he going to be okay? I don't know. We'll just have to talk to the doctors. And they're, like, talking like that the whole time. And then it eventually is revealed that number three is, um, it has been so torn up about the patient that's there, which is her pet skunk. Oh, okay. Whom, oh, I thought you were going to say like a stuffed animal. No, whom she, whom somebody, I think number two actually like does like cybernetic enhancement work on him so that he's like a half, Dude. he's like a half robot skunk. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I feel like it just kind of goes a little too far. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And you're right with um, with their lines also just going above and beyond what the show is portraying and making it more serious because this voice acting is... It's like this is the most intense show any of them have ever been on. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really trying a little too hard, it seems like. <laughs> I mean, and that, that works in a way because, like, kids are all enthusiasm and no focus, but... Oh yeah, I like that. But given that there's like a, but given that their aesthetic is professional spy stuff most of the time, it's, I don't know. Again, it just rankles me. I'm not saying it's inappropriate. It doesn't. It, doesn't, it just. It doesn't cohere in a sensible manner for you. Well, it wasn't going to cohere in this show anyway. But all other things being equal, I would rather it cohere in not yelling at me. It it makes sense for kids. It's entertaining enough for not kids. Yeah, I guess so. Um, um yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what what did you think about like I I guess just the way the show was and the way you took it. Um like the the presentation and like the dichotomy of ideals in this show. You know, it kind of went over me. Yeah. You know, uh, talking to you I'm seeing more of it, but at the time, it's just, oh, okay, this is the premise. The kids are, you know, fighting back against adults with this tech. I, I have a rough idea of the range of technology they have access to, and they have adventures within that, and it didn't it didn't bother me too much. Well, I think maybe you're treating it more like an action movie, which is what it is, so you're enjoying it more. 
Whereas I have a yeah. very hard time with action movies because I just like I, I, I like looking for subtext. But it's like, but how did James Bond know to jump off the bridge at that point? Yeah. He couldn't hear the helicopter. He had like a his ears were blown out from that explosion earlier. There's no way. It's not adding up, Mr. Bond. I'm not certain that you can make an action movie with zero plot holes. No, you probably can't. I mean, that's kind of the point. I think that I think that a lot of other people have a just a stronger tolerance for that sort of thing though. You cool? <laughs> that's not Sorry. even that's not even right is it what is it no 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 Isn't actually it? you are you're right or are you thinking of the austin powers theme song <laughs> i was thinking of the pink panther theme song anyway like i i get the i get like the th- the the presentation of this and the way they abandon some of the the consistency in order to make it more actiony, more kid oriented. I mm-hmm. think the fact that I don't like it isn't really a knock against the show. I like I, th- I still think that that's just subjective. No, that's fair. Which is which is rare for me. Like often I'll think that is a fault of the show, but you know, so, sometimes the show is just pretty good and isn't it isn't not stellar because it has faults. It's just not stellar because it's not stellar. Yeah. I think it, this one might be one of those shows. Uh, let's talk about the audio a little bit. Sure. Uh, did you not want to do animation? Oh, uh, either or. All right. Well, because animation is first in my list and it comes first in the alphabet, let's do animation first. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think that animation style is definitely good for goofy misadventures. Uh, yeah. Like the hands are like pretty good for like, you know, kids doing flips and trying to fight Bond villains. Yeah, so I um I found this the most egregious with number one. Um, have you ever heard of the homunculus? Uh, in what context? Okay, I should I should narrow that down. <laughs> yes, and yes, it's this thing in um, psychology. You can Google it; it's terrifying. Um, but basically, it's a representation of the human body based on how many mm. nerves different parts have yeah or i have heard of this and their mouths and toe and feet are like gigantic right yeah mouths feet hands that was the image i got when i saw number one moving with his huge hands and feet and tiny body because like those are the articulation points of a body yeah i mean yeah that i mean yeah that's the that's the parts of the body that they're going to interact with so it makes sense that they look like that I saw it more as just an aesthetic thing. I don't think they're trying to make some sort of statement about it. No, no, but it, that's that's just what I that's thought. That's just of. what it reminded you of. Yeah. Um, it, it's also helpful because it means that they don't need a lot of lines to draw each character. Um, like they get a surprising amount of detail for how few, like actual lines. Like go go and look at their character models. It's a lot fewer than other characters in other shows would need oh, do you think that was like a design consideration um i think it makes them more, look more iconic more relatable as we said this is not like unique for uh tom warburton either in pepper Ann, you have very very similar hand structures mm-hmm. like uh and and i generally like the aesthetic surprisingly like I, I don't generally like aesthetics but i think big hands are pretty good for this kind of show where 
Yeah, it's it's the, not the characters particularly aren't, inspired. The, the characters it's just aren't effective. In, the characters aren't important in like relatability, but they are important in facilitating the plot. Right, and, uh, and there's I, I that see... level of abstraction to an actual person, such that you don't really have to care, which I don't. So that's you know, there's some synergy there. Uh, I did see one great episode where each kid told their part of a story in their own art style. Oh, you know the way that shows do sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Oh, did number clear. two have like a World War Two flashback? Uh, he was a comic book character. Eh, yeah, okay. Um, he always struck me but... as like a fighter pilot wannabe. Because the yeah, goggles, yeah. I, I kind of like him. That old school, you know, nerd kid and you know Captain America kind of thing. A little bit. Um, but it, it was clear to me like the animators are capable of a variety of styles. So I think that tells us that the main style that they work with is an informed choice. Like they went through a few different ways, and that's what they said. Okay, no, this looks this looks good for the kind of story we're trying to tell. That's interesting. I didn't really make much note of like the style of animation beyond. It's pretty standard. It's pretty standard. I think it's just the character models that are particularly different. Um, you you can't really see any of their eyes. I don't know if you noticed that. Huh. No, you're right. We talked a little bit about how eyes are like the easiest thing for emotions to convey um in, in a different episode and or pelswick actually how they like glued them right onto the side of the face or something <laughs> right and you can't see any of their eyes here and I, I have to imagine that that was also a conscious decision That's, i didn't even think about that because there the the pool episode where they went to the alternate universe the whole thing was like when you look in somebody's eyes, you can tell if they're a good guy or not. And that's that was their metric. So it's weird that they can't actually see each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can see each other. Eh? But, but, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean. But we can't see their eyes is the point. Like, So they're not conveying emotion through their through through the most obvious facial expression, mm-hmm. which also works with like the big hands and exaggerated body proportions because they're always moving a lot in order to like show us what they're feeling. Like they kind of do like that shaggy zounds thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Where, like, his I, entire I exactly body goes about. stiff, and he, like, whoa, you know, like, his entire, yeah. it's just, like, an entire body emote. <laughs> they're, they're pretty good at those in this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sometimes you get one eyebrow coming above uh, number one's glasses. Like, it was, they were both hiding back there, but then you just get the one eyebrow, like, rising right above the shades. Or when, like, he tilts them down like he's a librarian and you can see his eyes. <laughs> yeah, being all sexy and coy. <laughs> Them horn rim sunglasses. Uh, will you be my number one? <laughs> let's let's turn things down to about 30 decibels. Aw, <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you had mentioned that the aesthetic choice was probably a choice, just that. It makes sense, given the types of other art styles that he's been associated with over the years like sheep in the big city and doug are both very different presentations Mm -hmm. so that makes me think that it is um uh a a considered approach yeah the the characters in this show compared to the other ones are are more compact almost yeah they're they're very compact they're very simplistic and compact character. Like, it wouldn't you work. You know, looking at it now, it's kind of weird how much larger every room is in this show than the characters. 
Is it? I, I think that makes sense. Like, it makes sense, but it's just weird. Like, how often do you see a show use that much real estate on nothing? That's a good point. Like, they seem to have a lot of, uh, they seem to have a lot of fun building large environments, and it is probably also a considered thing to, for that larger-than-life appeal of, oh, no, this is a, you know, global catastrophe with far-reaching consequences. We're not going to settle this, you know, in a cubby. We're not going to settle this in a closet. <laughs> it's going to be in a crowded amphitheater. There's going to be a dinosaur <laughs> fight. And top it off with a gigantic uh, spider mech, a la a Wild Wild West. This, is that a thing that happened in this show? I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> you guess. Yeah, it, it can get off the rails a bit. Right, but it has to. Yeah. So I think if it was a choice to make all the backgrounds and scenarios that big, that was the correct choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's almost similar to Recess. You know, the, the Recess is... The playground is their whole world, and the proportions fit that. Yeah, and it gives you a sense of the uh, the authority figures trying to contain them. Right, and the clubhouse—it's you know both their home and their job. Like it's it's a very it's a very living, breathing atmosphere. You know, it's not a bed in a bunk. It's not just three hots in a cot. <laughs> and that's the weird thing, though, is that they have that huge you know treehouse. And they say that they're next door, presumably to just normal people. <laughs> yeah, if I'm if I'm reading the lore correctly, they don't actually have parents, and not because no, they of... do. I've seen them. You've seen them? I've seen them. I didn't weird. see no parents. Like it's weird that they have them and go back home to like their parents at the end of the day. <laughs> but that that's the point at which you can stop thinking. That's right. the great thing about this show is that when you come up across a contradic- across a contradiction like that, you're just you just be like. Oh wait, I could just stop thinking about it cuz cuz who gives a shit at this point? <laughs> like you couldn't do that at recess cuz all of their personalities were deeply ingrained with their back their like their 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 lives at home. Hmm. But here like they don't have lives cuz they're not people, so fuck it. Yeah. Whatever works. Um what do you think about the intro animation? Um you know, it gave us an idea of who the characters were, but we didn't really need that much introduction. Yeah, it, it's a weird presentation to like remind us what number each one is. What number each one is, what aesthetic they're going for. It is very straightforward Bondy, but like, it's not I, a departure from anything else in the show. Well, I like the silhouettes. Silhouettes are a good choice. I think that they, that's they great. they form that icon. That's really cool, yep. Uh, it's weird that number one is giving Nixon hands. No, no, I thought that he was doing the devil horns. Oh, is that what he was doing? It's hard to tell when they only have four fingers on each hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he could be given white power. How would we know? <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of the intro, let's start talking about the music. <laughs> speaking of white power. Speaking of white power, let's go talk to Cousin Skeeter. <laughs> See what he thinks. So uh, l- let's talk about the intro music, I guess, or just music in general. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I didn't notice Definitely. a ton. Definitely, like, Man with the Golden Gun stuff. Yeah, I didn't notice a ton of music within the show itself. I did. Like, I I think they do, like, atmospheric music, and, like, this is where I started thinking of Coding Kids Next Door as a small action flick. Because they have, like, tension violins and shit. Hmm. You know? And they're always, like, if somebody's jumping... I did notice the violins, but not a lot else. I mean, the, they'll generally, like, have that, uh, what is that one, 
there's like an instrument that's associated with like a resolution to an action jump. It's like, I wish I could think of, of what it was precisely. Hmm. It's almost like the end of a jazz song where they all stop talking and like there's like a like a drummer with like do and then all of them do the same like minor key at once. Uh, I think I think I know what you're talking about. Like like a kazoo? <laughs> Not quite a kazoo. I'll try to think of an example. Like like a blaring horn, right? Like a cornet. So so yeah, like blaring horn, exactly. Like a resolution horn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Except with fewer Toreadors. Like that oh, I stuff. See. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Like they, they do resolution noises like that sometimes. <laughs> and I, I think that is a very Bond thing. Like I've seen it referenced in many different kinds of like um, borrowing from the spy genre stuff. I've seen uh, Venture Brothers do it. I've seen Ed and Eddie do it. Oh, like... Uh, do you remember the part in Ed and Eddie where he like makes a grappling hook, where Ed like pulls out a grappling hook, which is like a like utensils that are stuffed into a hair dryer attached to a rope. I I cannot say that I do. And he like fires it onto the roof and then pulls out his tongue and he uses that as like the thing to hold on to while he's like sliding in. God, that show is such a trip. <laughs> but like, that's the kind of stuff that I would want from this show. Yeah, you want it more low-tech, improvised. Like, yeah, I want it more kid-like at times. Show me how the crap you have lying around at home can be the secret agent gadgets. Yeah, I throw Bill Nye on the case. He's not doing anything. He's not talking. No, <laughs> he's a mute as far as our show, as far as our shows are concerned. Uh, I love the lore we're building up. So, um, yeah, our our lore is pretty weird. We're gonna go like into the closet one day and pull out all the lore and make the weirdest show ever. Ooh, I like that. So uh, the dialogue is something that we should probably mention as well. Because it is explicitly spy action dialogue until somebody, like, breaks character and starts talking like a kid. Right, they'll make a pun or, you know, they'll they'll point at that one guy's name is number two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, which which yeah. is, I mean, like, it, it breaks immersion a little bit. But at the same time, I kind of like that they can't. They can't keep up the. They, they can't, can't keep, keep up a straight the, face. Right? Yeah, yeah. They can't keep the game going. The oh, we're so ready to fight off the alien invaders until it turns out that they're sentient underwear. Yeah, exactly. Or it's their moms trying to pick them up from school. But mom. <laughs> yeah, being being able to jump into whichever side of that narrative you want is is charming. Yeah. Um. As long as they don't do it too much, because I, I I think the action is where it's better. I think the action is definitely where this show does the best. It's where most of it takes place, but but you need like like you need a good solid couple minutes of action need, and drama, and then bam, hit him with a good joke. Well, you need the setup. You need the, like the you need the setup to the to the um to the scene. You need to like fool the audience into thinking that this is actually like an action movie with a budget and shit like that. Right. So you need to set it up and then you need to start doing action stuff. And then someone hits you with a pun and I just like all of it collapses, you know? And I think, I think this is exactly why I like number three, the least mm -hmm. is because she's breaking the immersion the most. Like, I think I would rather, I don't know. Would you, 
do you like that distinction between talking like a kid and talking like a spy? Or would you rather them, like, keep keep the lie going the entire time? I, I, I think I kind of liked that different characters had each in a different ratio. You know, three is all the way to one end and one is all the way on the other. That's true. I think I like that. I think I like the ones that are more in the middle. I think I like two and four and five for that reason. Yeah. It's because they're kind of both. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like two quite as much, but definitely definitely four and five were good. He reminds me of Calvin, weirdly <laughs> enough. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, he, yeah, he's got that look. He Like, he wants to be a pilot. He wants to be Spaceman Spiff. Yeah, I mean, like, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's the smallest one. Is he? I think so. Yeah, he's the he's the fattest one. You're thinking of number two. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I thought you said number four. I thought you said number two. God, they need better. They need names, Ben. <laughs> they have names. They're all you shitty. You can't do this. You can't do this in a show. <laughs> Your audience is children. <laughs> I know all my numbers. <laughs> I love to count. <laughs> I know all my numbers. <laughs> I know. I know every number that's ever been, Ben. <laughs> I know over a hundred numbers. How many more? Two hundred. <laughs> Uh, anyway yeah do we have anything else on this uh i don't think so like where do you think this lies in let's approach it from two different directions uh the kid side and the high-tech stuff the high-tech spy stuff side do you like this more than kim possible um oh it's been a while since i've seen kim possible probably not I don't think so either, although I think that also just might be a demographic choice. And certainly this isn't better than either Recess or Hey Arnold. No. Maybe um, they were just trying to do too much, or they weren't able to maintain both sides of that equation in equal proportion. Like, I think maybe they just had a f- had a flawed formula going into this show. No, I, I, I think they hit the ratio pretty well, and I it's just for a younger, you know, it's... You know, you get your kid next door, and then when you become a teenager, oh, it's Kim Possible. And then <laughs> you become an adult, and it's like, I want to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Those are my children heroes. Look at that. You can see all of their eyes, and they're <laughs> all the same size. That right there, a rhyme. I hated it. <laughs> it's ter- it sounded awful. Then. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know what, I th- I think, just to sum up my, just to sum up, I, I think I've said it multiple times, but I might as well just resolve on it. I think my main problem with the show is that it was trying to c- cash in on that making fun of treating unserious stuff as serious at the same time as trying to make jokes. And, like, it's just kind of hard to keep them both afloat. I mean, they definitely ran a thin line avoiding subverting their own message, but I think they I think they hit it more often than they missed it. And I'll agree with that as well. It just might just be an aesthetic that I dislike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Still, though, like, much better show than I had anticipated, like, based on... Oh, yeah, on... These, these went down pretty easy. Well, if you read, like, the Wikipedia page, they're like, okay, dumb acronym, dumb acronym, dumb acronym. They're all <laughs> about trying to stay up later not do their homework this sounds terrible but then you see the presentation you're like oh they know exactly what they're doing yeah yeah 
and then they get start getting into like the galactic kids next door which makes me wonder you know about the deeper lore but not makes me, makes me wonder about my own life choices i was <laughs> yeah. wondering a little bit um if you had noticed that any like really strong pop culture references because they do them all the time i i've seen a few definitely whenever they genre jump i i saw them do uh specifically number five she is generally involved in some weird like indiana jones riff but yeah surfing through like the tv tropes page and stuff they apparently like lampshade a bunch of references to like pirates of the caribbean and like um and star wars and stuff i mean everything's parodying star wars but yeah i mean fair enough but like for for them to like point it out on the wikipedia page as opposed to just let it be implied it means they're doing it a lot yeah no absolutely and I, this I, is the sort of show where they should do that because the entire conceit of the show is making fun of a genre so it's fine makes sense to me yeah. I, di- I didn't see it too much but i don't think i watched en- enough i really like the indiana jones riffs there was a really good one with like a very um a very obvious like nazi <laughs> kind of stand in like air doctor really? this, this yeah. show had nazis every show has nazis she he was like calling every like a bunch of people air doctor and stuff like that air well, doctor just a number German one guy, ben. it's not you can tell you can totally <laughs> you can tell just look at him yeah he had like a parrot on his shoulder or something <laughs> and skeleton arms yeah exactly exactly all right well uh i'm done with the show yeah uh what are we what are we watching next we are, of course, watching Invader Zim, and I do have Dan Caves to come on and talk about that in his first experience with Invader Zim, which I think is going to be a lot, a very interesting experience oh, he's, for he's all never of seen us. it. He's never seen it before. Well, well. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with like Joan and Vasquez, and um, you know the fact that they could actually put this on Nickelodeon and no one caught it. <laughs> Oh my god, Ben, I have a lot to say. Censors must have just been jerking it for like six months. What were they doing? <laughs> uh, Didn't they watch it? Um, but anyway, beyond that, after Invader Zim, what do we have? Uh, after that, we are going to watch... Uh, you know, I, I haven't really seen it before, but I'm curious because it looks bizarre. Um, <laughs> the Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Oh man... You talked about this before. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of biker mice, except it's a Western. I, Zane, I'll try it, but I really don't feel good about it. Ben, they're cows that ride horses. Why do you keep choosing, like, shitty-sounding shows? Why can't brilliant. you sound... Choose something that sounds cool. It's so brilliant, Ben. <laughs> All right, granted, you did uh, put out a, uh, a separate thing that might have sounded cool, and I vetoed it, so... <laughs> I guess I'll just have to check out Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Ben, I can't guarantee that the third option would have been any better. We could have done Brave Star. Brave Star. I don't know what Brave that is. Brave Star. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. It's it's worth knowing. Also horses? Uh, yes, in space. It's like um, it's like that one um, sketch from uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour with um, the the sheriff on Mars, whatever. What, what is that called? Uh... No idea what you're talking about. With a pair of robot fists. Excuse me? They hardly ever, hardly ever miss. I'm trying to figure out what it is. I have no idea, Ben. Uh, let me, all right, I'm going to think. I'm going to find this because I want you to put it as the as the outro. Uh, no, but I, I think the Cowboys of Mumesa will be good because 
it's looking at the Western genre, which we haven't really dealt with in a while. Sparks and Nevada, Marshall on Mars. That's a weird name. But also because it's, um, you know, time time constraints, I know. the Time is going to be tight. And I think this is one of those shows where you'll be able to get the gist in a couple episodes. Huh. Well, all right then. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy not to spend more time than necessary on something called, uh, what was it, Pirates of Moon Penzance? Yep. Mesa. You got it. Awesome. All right. Let me see if I want to. I want to look this up real quick. Yeah. Sparks Nevada is an on again, off again. Marshall of Mars. Uh, yeah. Is Why it, did I think that his name was spelled with an X? He's from Earth. I, I want to find the. Uh, Ben, Sparks, Nevada is a town. I, I understand that, Zane. I'm trying to find the... Uh, uh, I'm trying to find the the speech, the like the the theme song that in, enters it, because I want to sing it out loud. But <laughs> he, he's got, like, this alien, like, uh, Sancho Panza-esque kind of follower who's, like, almost very robotic because he's a Martian. We we can do this show if you want. That it's very funny. Good. Yeah, no, it's actually a, it's actually an awesome. Uh, no, it's it's a it's a podcast show. Like it's oh a, okay. It's like a radio broadcast sort of thing. Oh, thrilling adventure hour is like it 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 has a lot of those. Um, it's like in the style of old radio broadcasts, like uh, the sort of thing that Orson Welles was uh, parodying. Oh okay. Or yeah, making fun of with like uh, War of the Worlds and stuff. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it's it's just like the thrilling adventure brought to you by smoking, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Good old smoking. Good old smoking. Uh, smoking brand sunflower seeds. <laughs> At least you're still smoking. It's uh, not bad. Yeah, you you should definitely look it up. I'll 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 send you a link. Yeah. Well, all right. Looks like we're going to go into outer space and then head on to the ranch. Yeah, it's got, well, it's also in outer space. It's also got Paul F. Tompkins if you need another reason to check it out. Not the Sparks oh. Nevada thing, but other segments on Thrilling Adventure Hour. Cool. Yeah, they're they're pretty buddy-buddy with comedy bang-bang. I like it. Anyway, this has been uh, talking about better podcasts in a podcast. Good night, everyone. Good drive, night. Drive safe. Op- Operation Good Night. Go over on down now in great hindsight turbulence <laughs> ben how hard would it have been said in great haste turbulence turbulence it's been slightly easier because i still got turbulence in there <laughs> there's this uh there's a joke that they make in um uh in the awesomes where like there's like this really complex acronym uh i think it's like umbrella and and the guy, and one of the guys is just like, I bet they just, they, they only made that acronym like that so they could have umbrellas while they walk around. And he's like, eh, it's probably not as easy to make an acronym as you think. And he's like, acronym, and like batters off a bunch of stuff. And the other guy's like, okay, first time's a charm. Charm, and like makes another acronym <laughs> off of it on the spot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, did you ever watch The Awesomes? Oh, yeah. I feel like I you did. I showed you The Awesomes. Oh, uh, yeah. So you did. You know, I cosplayed as one of them one time. It's great. Yeah, as Professor Doctor Awesome. Oh, we should do the Awesomes when it gets canceled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or if it's just like three years past, like Generator Rex. As soon as it gets canceled, then. Yep, we'll be on scene. Twenty minutes, <laughs> or less, <laughs> or your money back. 
All right, I think I'm probably going to cancel it after turbulence, so we can, <laughs> we can stop recording now. <laughs> All right, see you later.